Let's go in the Bible then to Luke chapter 10. And let us begin our two-part ministry to you. Our two-part ministry to you. Praise the Lord. Now, if you're taking the cards, fill them out before you leave and give them back to me. Don't take them home with you unless you're the kind of person that's responsible to bring it back. Praise the Lord. But I only have 30. Okay. So, Jesus replied and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion and came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Praise the Lord. Okay, so... We're having two services about an issue that's really very important. Let me ask you this question. How many of you really want to do what God wants you to do? Amen. How many of you believe that what God wants you to do is something really big? Amen. And that you cannot do that without His help? Amen. That if you're able to do it without God's help, then it's the wrong thing you want to do. Anything you can do alone... God is not divine. So you need divinity in your life. You need the divine things of God in your life. You need the supernatural functioning in your life. You need divine activity that God is the only one that can be blamed for. You don't want to just do things you can do with your own intellect and your own talent and your own abilities because you'll take the credit for it because it's natural. But if it's supernatural and beyond your ability and God does it through you, then you know it's something divine that will last forever because it is an eternal thing. So when you got saved, God immediately assigned to you an eternal life. So you have your natural life and then you have an eternal life. If you're not careful, you will spend your whole life in your natural life and then when you die, you will just go there alone with nothing following you of any eternal value. Amen. You don't want to die, stand in front of God, and have nothing at all to show for your existence on planet Earth. The obedience to God, the faith towards God, the call of God, the destiny of God, and the blessings of God. You don't want to do that. You want to die and take with you the life God assigned to you, the destiny life that he gets all the glory for, he gets all the honor for, and he gets all the praise for. Amen. The truth is that most of us are not living that life. We are not experiencing what I am saying. And so I want to present it to you today and show you how all this works. The only life that will make you happy is the life God has assigned you to. The only life that will drive away the demons of loneliness, despair, disappointment, emptiness, heartache, pain, and carnal existence is that life which God's hand is upon. Praise the Lord. Say these words out loud. I was born, I was born to, be a healer. to be a healer. Turn to somebody and tell them that. I was born... I was to be, a healer. to be a healer. 
You see, when you got saved, you didn't get saved just so you could go to heaven. You got saved so you could become a healer. Every single Christian has been assigned the same purpose, which is to heal people with their existence. You're not just supposed to be a normal, average person. God wants to add to you divinities and supernatural things in your life that heal other people. Even though all of you are different in your personalities, education, backgrounds, and all those things, yet God thinks you're special enough to give you a healing life. Now, in my research, I have found over 50 types of healing lives that a person can live. For example, you may be the person that God gives a special singing voice to. When you sing without the healing gifts in your voice, people say, wow, that's beautiful. She or he has a really beautiful gift or a really beautiful talent. That was beautiful. And they go away unchanged but impressed. But when God takes one of his nine gifts and puts it in your voice, and then you sing, in your notes is the gift of healing, which goes out and heals the cancer of a person sitting there listening to you, or heals insanity in somebody, or heals a marriage while they're sitting there listening because the voice, though it's just as the other voice is, special and beautiful, carries in it the healing life that you as a person have been assigned. If, for example, you have been assigned the healing life of an entrepreneur, a man or a woman who can create businesses and make millions of dollars easily, you know that God has given you the ability to make money. If this is your healing life, then you as an entrepreneur, a man or a woman who can create business, make millions of dollars, you know that, God put it in you, you have the skill to do it. Now God says to you, I want you to duplicate yourself in 100 other people. I want you to train them to make money so they can bless my kingdom, rescue orphans, take care of widows, feed the poor, build a local church, and win souls. So now you as a businessman have found your healing life. You now raise up 100 people, teach them the secrets you have learned through hard work, and through the abilities of the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, you raise up these men and women. They now, in turn, start making millions of dollars. Now the healing begins to spread all over the kingdom of God and all over the church. Are you with me so far? Fifty different types of healing lives that you can live. Tonight, we're going to pray for you to receive the gifts that God wants you to have, and there's over 50 of those that God wants you to receive. Because as you are, you cannot do what you were born to do, which means two things are going to happen. One, you're going to be unhappy. That is for sure. Two, you're going to have battles with all types of emotional problems. And three, your relationships will not be the ones that God intended for you to have. Praise the Lord. But say it again. Put your hand right here and say, I'm born to be a healer. I am a walking hospital. I am a medicine, I am a cure, I am an answer, I am a solution, I am a divine appointment, I deliver people, I break chains, I set the captives free, I educate, I train, I mentor, I teach, I build, I explore, I invent, 
I am full of God, full of the Holy Ghost, full of the Spirit of God, and I cannot be held back. I cannot be defeated. I cannot be destroyed. I will not be buried under a mountain of failure, sin, grief, pride, ego, selfishness, self-centeredness, misdirection, deception, or egotistical vanities. I am a healer. And God is going to teach me how to heal everybody that comes near me. Give somebody a high five and say, that is a word from God for you today. As we read this portion of Scripture, so here's what I want to say. Just let me put this back. You're going to fail if you're not a healer. You're going to be unhappy if you're not a healer. There is no happiness in selfish living. There is no happiness in separated sectarianism. There is no happiness in excluding anybody from your life. There's no happiness in any form of hatred, resentment, or racism. There are no racists in heaven. You cannot go to heaven if you hate people that you do not know. Anybody who hates a person they do not personally know is probably a racist. So understand that it's okay to hate people you know. <laughs> However, you can't hate them for very long, just like a couple of few seconds. But you can hate them, and it's normal to hate people. Now you're looking at me like I'm preaching heresy. I'm not preaching heresy. I'm preaching the realities of our life. If someone hurts my children, I'm going to hate them for a little while. But I'm going to hit my knees and make sure that hate does not become my pastor. I'm going to hit my knees and get the hate out because I don't want to pass that on as an inheritance to my children. You cannot hate people you do not know intimately and are not fully aware of their true character. If you hate a person for the color of their skin, any color, you're going to hell. You're going to hell. You're going to burn in the fires of hell, and there's nothing you can do about it because you are not a Christian and you are not saved because no one who hates people is saved if they hate them permanently, especially if you don't know them. Now, don't get mad at me and hate me and all that. I hate that preacher. He told me I hated people. I hate him now. I hate See what I'm saying? And I'm trying to help you. Praise the Lord. You're in an integrated church. It's a sign and a wonder on planet Earth. But it's what heaven is like. There are no black churches in heaven. There's no white churches in heaven. You don't go to heaven and say, show me my people. Where do I sit? Because God is not colorblind like some say he is. God is not colorblind. He's color-coordinated. Color-coordinated means he doesn't ignore your color. He celebrates it. This is the difference. God does not, is not blind to a thing that you are. He actually accentuates everything about you and celebrates everything about you. Everything about you is a wonder to God. Because he made you out of himself. So you are divine in your essence. Now you must climb the ladder to your behavior. 
You must receive the heart of a healer who doesn't just want to heal straight people, but will heal homosexuals as well. You must receive the heart of a healer who won't just heal white people. They'll heal black folks as well. And they'll heal white, uh, uh, brown folks and yellow folks and rainbow folks. They'll heal everybody. That's the heart of Jesus. That's what Jesus is like. And that's what heaven is like. You're a healer, but you can't heal people if you're, you know, just certain groups. That's satanic. That's of the devil. You won't go to heaven. You don't know God. You're not saved. You're just religious. Saved people love everybody. Every single person. But they can't hate people they know. Let's just make that real clear. Now, you may have a battle for a while with that hate, but you'll get rid of it sooner or later. Just stay on your knees long enough. The love of God will come there, and it'll cleanse it. Some wounds are very deep. Religious people talk like that. We don't. We weep with them. We weep with them as long as it takes. And we walk gently with them, hand in hand, until they come out slowly into the light and can find their place of wholeness again. Because sometimes what happens to people you love hurts you worse than what happens to you. Say it again. I'm born to heal people. There are things in me I have not yet released, discovered, or brought out into the light. But they're coming out. This is the day. Look at two people and say, this is the day. Just say it out loud. Holla, 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 holla. Praise God. When you look at the word healing and healed, restore, make healthy, repair, rejuvenate, um, health, when you look at those words in the Bible, in the Old Testament and New Testament, and you combine those Hebrew words and those Greek words, and you study those things out to find what their true inner deep meanings are, that is called researching, and that is what I have done for you. So I'm not going to give you all those Hebrew and Greek words. I'm just going to give you the final uh, summarize, summarize definitions so you can know what God is about to do to you right now. Amen. Right now. Because let me tell you the secret. A sick thing cannot heal a sick thing. So if you are sick, you cannot heal anybody. So before I take you to tonight where you are gifted and empowered, I must get you healed. So this is a healing service for you. It is where your insides get healed and your life gets repaired so you can then in turn go repair. So this is the time to let your armor down, take off all your defenses, lower down everything that you ever used to protect yourself against the Holy Spirit invasion into some area of your life you may not want God to go. Remember these three thoughts. When God is ready to promote you, he will send someone to offend you. If you love that person, you will be promoted. If you do not love them, you reactivate a retest. Two, when God is ready to change you, he will ask you to do something you hate. If you do it, you are transformed. If you don't do it, you activate a retest. Three, 
When God is ready to empower you, he will ask you to do something you're afraid of. If you do it, you will be empowered and liberated for the rest of your life. And these are three things that are going to begin to happen in your life as a healer. Because God wants you not to be manipulated or controlled by the imperfections of the people around you. He does not want the things you hate to control your choices. And he doesn't want what you're afraid of to become your Holy Spirit. Is anybody with me? Are you alive? Are you listening to my words? Okay, remember that when you are religious-minded, you don't come to church to change. You come to church to feel God's presence. People that come to church to feel God's presence will soon stop feeling it because they don't change. Feeling the presence of God is temporary when there is no transformation because the way you feel God's presence is by changing when the Holy Spirit speaks to you. If you come to church with no Bible and nothing to write on and no way of recording what God speaks to you, it is a sign that you are intellectually saved but experientially disconnected from the movings of the Holy Spirit in your life. You may be saved intellectually but experientially because you're not letting God make you a new person unless you think you have arrived. Anybody? Nobody has arrived. So why are we in church? We're not here just to feel the presence of God. We're here to change. Into what? Medicine. A hospital. A deliverer. A healer. That's your purpose for being born again. That's why you're alive. That's why God saved you. And going to heaven is just one of the benefits. But the purpose for you being on this earth is shy you, introverted you, messed up you. It's going to get healed. And you are going to become a healer. You will become a doctor. You will become a person that restores people. A person that gives people back their sanity, their hope, their joy, their freedom, their health, their wholeness. That is you. There are things in you that you alone have. No one else has that, and no one else can have that because God is not the God of everybody's the same. He's the God of everybody's different while we all walk together in unity as totally different people. So diversity with unity becomes the sign of the presence of God moving in a group of people. Individuality without everybody being a puppet of everybody else, becomes the sign of the presence of God celebrating the beauty of who you are as a person. That's why you never want to copy another person's ministry because then you forfeit your own. Be who you are because who you are is going to be amazing enough once who you are is seen, received, and absorbed. Praise God. Hug three people around you and say, man, you need this really bad. I don't need it at all. I, I have arrived. So we read in Luke chapter 10, we read in Luke chapter 10 these, these beautiful words, and it says that this man fell into the hands of thieves, right? And these are the, three th the four things that happened. He fell into the hands of thieves. It, they stripped him. They wounded him, and they left him for dead. Those four things have happened to pretty much every person in this room. 
Somebody has stolen from you. Somebody has wounded you. Somebody has beat you. And someone has abandoned you. Those four issues pretty much cover all of life for all of us. If you're weird today, if you're weird, if you're like a weird person, it's because of one of those four things. If you're crazy, like you're crazy, right? You're like crazy. It's because of one of those four things. The good news is God can heal them all. And he can heal them all now. Remember, when you lose your appetite for God in church, it means that you have a locked Bible and that you can no longer sense the Holy Spirit because you have become sterile to God. So now the preaching does not stir you up or change you and the music does not move you. You're actually simply enduring church to go do what you really enjoy doing and go listen to what you really enjoy hearing. You are tuned to someone other than the Holy Spirit. Whatever you're tuned to, whatever you're tuned to becomes the most exciting and fun thing that you do. Praise the Lord. So, here are the the definitions of these words of what's about to happen to you here this morning. Number one, the, the first word for this word healing and all those words I mentioned is to mend by stitching. So when the Holy Spirit comes down this morning, he's going to mend things and stitch them together inside you. Praise the Lord. Say this, mend me, God, and stitch me together. Praise the Lord. Secondly, it means to pour in the cures of Calvary. Say, Lord, pour in the cures of Calvary into my life. Three, it means to, re to replace the rotting pieces. To replace the rotting pieces with eternal parts. Four, to reverse the decaying of your mind. Five, to renew the unusable pieces of you. Five or six, whichever it is, to recreate something divine from nothingness. This is healing, wholeness, repair, restoration, health. Uh, to remove all forms of death by divine breath. So as the Holy Spirit breathes on you, death goes out of you. That's what you feel when you sing a song and the presence of God is on you. And you weep and you haven't wept for years, but this time you're weeping. You don't know why you're weeping. You just can't stop weeping. The song is so beautiful. The words are so perfect and they're doing something inside you. You're being breathed on. Death is exiting your DNA and life is entering. And when you lose that, because you don't have a relationship with God's word in private, that's when you lose it. When you don't have a relationship with the Word in private, you will lose all the things I'm mentioning. Okay? And then the last one is to surround with immunity. So when God heals you, He surrounds that area He heals with immunity so it cannot get sick again. 
Give somebody a high five and say, Jesus, I need this really bad. Let's say it all together again. A sick thing cannot heal a sick thing. Praise the Lord. Do you want to be made well? Okay, so let's look at what needs to happen this morning, and let's go right down and get it done. We'll finish this up uh, in two parts tonight, because tonight is impartation, prophetics uh, flowing, gifts of the Holy Spirit, plus the finding of your gifts, the imparting of new gifts, and the calling out of buried gifts. All this is going to take place tonight as you become the healer you were born to be. Praise God. For example, someone here may have the gift, the healing life of hospitality. Now, not everybody's hospitable. Praise the Lord. I have been to people's homes where the person cooked, and there was, you know, 15 people there, and they cooked a very little meal. And I'm thinking, there's no way that's going to feed 15 people. So you just take a little tiny bit, and it has always made me feel awkward. Because when you're hospitable, it's a gift. You want people to come to your house so you can heal them. So what a hospitable person does is they make a meal, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are in the meal. So when you eat, you get healed while you're eating the lasagna. You say, what's happening? I just... <laughs> Because the anointing is actually in the lasagna. You may think this is weird, but it's not. They get saved at the table. They get baptized in the Holy Ghost at the table. And they th just think it's some mysterious event happening, but it's not. It happens that that person has got the gift of hospitality and the healing life of being hospitable and making feel every person of every background like their home and like their family. And when you have the power to make every person feel like they're part of your family, you have a healing life and a healing gift that will men that breach inside that rejected person who has never been accepted by anybody except you because they have entered your healing life and in your healing life all the gifts flow and they restore everybody within the vicinity of that lasagna see some of you will die and never do what God calls you to do and you're going to have to face God with that disobedience in your life. For example, some of you may have the gift of healing people with your personality. Now, not everybody has that gift. Some people don't have a personality. Isn't that true? And then other people have 20 30 or 40 personalities. Some people have witchcraft in their personality. But some people, in their personality, they have witchcraft. Intimidation, judgment, criticism, meanness, confrontationalism, and all the other things. All witchcraft inside the personality. But there are some people who are so close to the Holy Spirit, they're so tender-hearted and sweet that when you literally get up to them and they talk to you, the love of God flows out of their personality like water and like a river, and your heart instantly melts and softens because of the beauty that's coming out of that person. They have the healing life of their personality. 
They heal people by their personality. It's very beautiful and very rare. But some of you are called by God to have that. And you cannot have it if your heart is sick. It's got to be whole and healed and not broken and not bleeding and all those things. Praise the Lord. So let's go on the journey. Number one, very powerful and very important. Praise the Lord. And, and I want you to think of this. The first thing you have to be healed of is wounds. A wound, according to the words in the Bible, means this, to rip the soul until it leaks out all of life. So if you're wounded, someone has ripped your soul and you're leaking out until you have nothing left in you. You're just an empty shell because of the wounds that are all over your life that are leaking life out of you. Put your hand right here and say, I receive healing for every wound in my life. In the name of Jesus, I will not live wounded. I forgive those that have ripped my soul, torn it open, and poured poisons inside. And I receive healing now that I will not be wounded and not live with wounds anymore in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Now hug somebody and say, God is talking to you this morning. Number two, number two is we have to be healed of hurts. There are scriptures for these, but because of time, I'm just giving you these, okay? Uh, that was Psalm 147.3, but hurts, which means to reshape the heart with constant pain. So the word hurt is when somebody constantly sends pain your way, this is not the ripping, this is the beating. It literally is to pound the soul over and over with pain until you reshape the soul. Because you have somebody in your life who all they do is beat you down and beat you and beat you and beat you and it causes your soul to be hurt. Ripping is different. This is the reshaping of you as a human being. You literally become a monster due to pain. Or you can let God heal you and you become a minister. Pain makes us selfish. Selfish people are people that are full of pain. Healers don't have pain so they can look up and start detecting pain in others. When you're hurt, you cannot be a healer because you're looking in. When your pain is gone, you can look up and say, oh, I see your pain, and you can walk over there and begin to heal the pain that's in other people. Put your hand right here. Say, dear Jesus, pour in oil right now and wine right now and reshape my soul. Take all the pain that's inside me from any member of my family or any person that I have known since I was little until today. I no longer want to be pounded by this pain that's inside of me. Take it out of me now and heal me, Jesus. I forgive them. 
and I let them go. There's many types of hurts. We cannot cover them all. I'm praying that prayer because many of you have never even had that done. So we're just going through the healing right now because a sick thing cannot heal a sick thing. Praise the Lord. Say it out loud. I was born to be a healer. I'm going to be whole, and I'm going to heal people and change this world. I will not be a victim. I will not live in prisons of my mind, of my emotions, of my heart, or of my spirit. In Jesus' name, all the chains are breaking off of me today. Say it out loud. All the chains. Say it out loud. All the chains are breaking off of me today. Praise the Lord. Then you have the healing of bitterness. Now, you cannot heal people if you're bitter. Bitterness is marinating in a cocoon of unforgiveness. We become the slaves of the people that we refuse to forgive. Anyone you choose not to forgive, they become your pastor. They mentor you while you sleep as you think about what they did to you. They control your attitudes at the kitchen table. They cause you to have anger that's uncontrollable. Resentments that you cannot. The ugly taste of life is in your mouth. Joy does not flow out of your personality. Love does not flow out of your personality. Peace is not in your mind. Because bitterness is an evil that goes into the root system and even causes physical cancer in many cases. Not all cancer is rooted in that, but many, many cancers are rooted in the acids that are released from having bitterness in your life. Praise the Lord. Our calling is sweetness, kindness, and the love of God. You see, this church will instantly double the day you all become healers. The day you become a healer, this church will double in one week because you won't be able to stop yourself from bringing people to church. You'll go to the grocery store today, and if you're activated, you'll say, hey, I can see you're going through a lot. Why don't you come to church with me tonight? And that's a total stranger. And they'll say, okay. You need me to pick you up? Let's go. And boom, you have all these people get saved. And they become healers. Bitterness comes out of the mouth. And it is indiscriminatory. In other words, you start out bitter towards a bad person. Then the bitterness turns inward towards the good people in your life, such as your wife, husband, and children. Now, bitterness cannot be controlled by you because it has gone into the cells of your body and is the root system of your soul. And now you're getting angry at the people who are assigned to love you in this life. The end result is that you're all alone and nobody cares about you because you, through your bitterness, have driven everyone away. Put your hand right here and say, Dear God in heaven, 
I will no longer be the slave of the people that have made me bitter. I reject bitterness in all of its forms. It is not going to kill me, destroy my attitudes, ruin my mindset, damage my disposition, or harm my conclusions. My perspective will be of the Holy Spirit. My perceptions will be of the Holy Spirit. And my conclusions will be from the Holy Spirit. Bitterness, get out of my life in the name of Jesus. I receive love, kindness, and mercy in the place of bitterness. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Then we have trauma. Trauma is the sudden invasion of violence into your life without your permission. Trauma does not go out of your life by just time. Trauma sticks to you like tar until you confront it with the healing powers of the Holy Spirit because trauma makes us cowards. Once you have experienced enough trauma, you are now not willing to confront anything and anyone and you live a secret, hidden, fearful life and you live afraid and away from everything because you're too afraid to take any chances because you don't ever want to experience trauma again. The Holy Spirit heals you of trauma and makes you bold, brave, and courageous. And now you go confronting all those traumatic things and dealing with them, not only in your life, but now you become a healer of other people's trauma. To lose a child is trauma. To have a baby die is trauma. To have anybody you love die unexpectedly is a trauma. Let me tell you, I was reading this book, My Time in Heaven. I'm not saying this is gospel because you cannot prove it with scripture, but knowing God in my life, it sounds like him. And he's walking through heaven and the angel is walking with him. And he sees all these children running around everywhere, but they're all singing. They can have communication. They're talking, but they're in little bodies. And he says, well, what is going on here? He says, well, some children do not grow up until their parents get here. Aborted children of people who get saved, they just wait. Miscarriage children, they just wait. That's what it said. I'm not saying it's gospel. I'm not saying it's even true. It just really sounds good to me. God has ways of giving you back that which you have been bitter about losing. Do you hear what I'm saying? You don't know what God is going to do. But he is going to do something that when he's done doing it, you will not be bitter. Praise God. Would you put your arms around three people and say, please give me $100 right now? I'm not getting anything out of this. I'm almost done. It's 
I'm almost done. 12-11. Then we have sick ideas. If you're going to heal someone, you cannot have sick ideas about the Bible or about God. Did you hear what I said? The Bible is full of sick, uh, full of uh, scriptures about people with sick ideas, sick beliefs, sick philosophies, sick ideologies. If you, for example, do not believe God heals, that's a sick idea. If you don't believe God saves people, that's a sick idea. If you don't believe God is good, that's a sick idea. If you believe God kills people, that's a sick idea. If you believe God killed your children, that's a sick idea. If you believe God's going to kill you, that's a sick idea. If you believe God harms people, that's a sick idea. If you believe God puts diseases on people, that's a sick idea. If you believe God is the author of death, that is a sick idea. If you believe God is a murderer, that is a sick idea. A preacher was full of lust and unhappy with his wife and said, I want, I'm going to invent a religion where I can marry all the women I want. So he invented this entire encounter with, with an angel, wrote a whole book about it, and started a new religion where all the men could marry as many women as they wanted. But the women couldn't. Just the men. The women can't marry whoever they wanted. They just have to be a part of a harem. Sick ideas. Put your head on your mind. A hand on your uh, mind. Say, God, I renounce the sick ideas that have ever entered my mind in Jesus' name. Whatever I think that doesn't come from you, I cast down and throw it into the fire like a poisonous snake. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at three people and say, praise God. Say, God loves me. God wants to bless me. God wants to help me. God wants to heal my family. And say it again, I'm a healer in the name of Jesus. My final point. My final point. Think of it like this. A sick thing cannot heal a sick thing. So one of the things you have to get healed in your life, and this is very important, is painful memories. A memory is dangerous because it gives you nightmares. Nightmares are prophetic or satanic prophecies that you receive in your sleep. Satan prophesies to you while you're sleeping because of the painful memories that you still have inside you unhealed. Those memories can be the product of your own experience or things you've watched on TV are things you've seen other people do to other people. So God has to wipe your mind clean from those painful memories, heal your nightmares so you stop having them, and you only have dreams from God, and nightmares, no, because how powerful is a nightmare when you have a nightmare, and you feel all the feelings, experience all the experiences, and it's so terrible, and you wake up with a feeling of death on you. And that is a satanic prophecy directed to your life. No Christian should have nightmares. No Christian. 
I can remember things, but I don't have the sting of their pain. And I can't remember some things anymore. I knew there were some things there, but I can't remember them. It's not because I don't remember things. I actually have a very supernatural mind. However, God has given me the gift of divine amnesia in some areas. <laughs> the ability to forget pain Good. is sometimes a gift. Put your hand right there. Say, Dear God, Dear God my, mind my mind will no longer harbor, no longer harbor memories, of pain. memories of pain. Things that have happened to me that when I think about them, I get angry. I feel the same emotions all over again. I receive healing right now for that area of my life in the name of Jesus Christ. The devil is a liar. And I receive the peace of God. Beautiful dreams and no nightmares. My children will not have nightmares. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hug two people around you and say, praise God. Put on my music. Now, as I'm ending this, tonight we're here at what time, Pastor Jack? Six at 6 o'clock. Now, I know that for some of you, going to church twice on a Sunday does not, is not part of your culture. You've, you have a one-service culture a week. That's your culture. But there are times that the Holy Spirit sets special times for encounters with God. And this is just one more service. Sometimes I'll go for 13 days in a row. I went for 30 days in a row last year. And they would have kept going. I'm just saying, you have to decide if an hour and a half of your time is too much to pay for your entire possible destiny being released. I'm just asking. I don't mean to guilt you. I just mean to guilt you. Praise the Lord.